Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Well, as a child uh, I, and as a teenager also, I spent a lot of time in Christian bookstores. So some of them, like the uh, old Bible bookstore here in town, were really in Universal City. And Tina, you used to work there, didn't you? Yes, I think, I think when I first met you, you were working there. Um, we're, we're small family-owned shops. I mean, this, this was a cute little shop, walking distance from my house. As teenagers, we were there all the time. And then on the other side of the spectrum, when I was living in the Long Beach area, was the Shepherd Shop, which was basically a Walmart-level Christian bookstore. <laughs> And in those days, I bought everything from T-shirts to books to trinkets to music, of course, at these kinds of places. Every single one of them had, had a, if you buy four tapes or CDs, you get your fifth free. So um, every single one of them all had this. Like it was a thing with all the, all the Christian music publishers at the time. And so we were always all about that, of course. And really, this sort of thing was just part of life as an evangelical in the 1980s and the 1990s. And in fact, one of my favorite action figures as a child was bought at one of these shops. Judah the Christian Soldier. (laughs) He was um, rather larger than my G.I. Joes, but significantly smaller than my sister's Barbies. And Judah came equipped with a detachable set of the full armor of God as described in today's epistle. There was also an optional chariot, which is not in our epistle, but... uh, (laughs) As you can imagine, with uh, Judah the Christian soldier as a regular character in my childhood adventures, Ephesians 6 was was a chapter, a passage that captured the imagination for this young guy here. Well, as I grew older, I noticed that the full armor of God and other allusions to today's epistle were common in all sorts of Christian discussions of what we often call spiritual warfare. Whether we're talking novels like Frank Peretti's This Present Darkness, or in prayer manuals like Joy Lamb's Sword of the Spirit, or even in literary classics like John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress. But despite the commonality of these themes... At least in my circles, I dare say that the passage was widely misunderstood and misallegorized. And the most important part of this misunderstanding was a failure to see St. Paul's Old Testament allusions in the text. He's not talking from a vacuum. And the other problem was we would individualize Um, overemphasize the individual Christian's role in such warfare. So with that in mind, let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians 6, verse 10. Ephesians 6, 10, page 920 in your pew Bible or page uh, 219 in your prayer book. St. Paul writes, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of, this, of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So this introductory paragraph does set the stage and it gives us the context. It is indeed affirming that we're talking about spiritual warfare. The, that, that is what's going on. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But this does not mean that the primary issue at hand is exorcism or deliverance. 
This is not about discovering what sort of demonic curses, oppressions, or possessions are around and then praying those demons back to hell. That's not what it's about. And such overt demonic or satanic activity is and can be a real thing, but that's not the context of our passage. In the, in the context of the epistle to the Ephesians, it tells us we're dealing with a different kind of spiritual warfare. St. John Chrysostom points out that the rhetoric employed in this passage, especially that finally, brethren, indicates that this is the climax of the epistle to the Ephesians. It's not a standalone passage. So then what has the epistle to the Ephesians been about? Well, in short, Ephesians is teaching us some of the basics of Christian life. Those of y'all that have been with us for a few years may recall that we spent a good portion of Trinity Tide in 2019 preaching through the whole epistle to the Ephesians on the advice of the bishop. The epistle then opens, if you recall, with emphasizing our new status as those who have been adopted into the family of Christ. And St. Paul emphasizes that we have not earned this place in God's family, but we were adopted by God's grace through faith. And this then leads to an extended discussion of how the gospel results in unity between differing people groups in the context of Ephesians, it's Jew and Gentile. But that unity is due to us all being on the same footing with respect to God's grace. We're all in the same boat. And then a mark of our new life and new unity is living according to truth, goodness, and beauty rather than after the flesh. We talked about that at nine o'clock last week. Paul then applies this new life and this new unity to interpersonal relationships, wives and husbands, parents and children, slaves and masters. And then we come to today's passage, St. Paul's conclusion. If we are going to work out Christian unity, both on that macro level of the whole people and on that micro level in our families, interpersonal relationships, and if we want to live the new life as Christians, we cannot do this apart from spiritual warfare. St. John Chrysostom writes, the enemy does not make war on us straightforwardly or openly, but by his wiles. What are the devil's wiles? They are constant in trying to capture us by some shortcut and always by deceit. The devil never openly lays temptation before us. He does not mention idolatry out loud, but by his stratagems, he presents idolatrous choices to us by persuasive words and by employing clever euphemisms. So in other words, the world, the flesh, and the devil fight to subtly sow discord and strife and selfish living. But we are called to fight for unity and righteousness in Christ. And this fight is not a physical one. Rather, it's a spiritual one. And it's, not, and it's too big for us to do on our own strength. We need spiritual arms and armor, divine arms and armor. Let's pick up in verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, 
and on your and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I, may be, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So this phrase, whole armor, in our passage is a single word in Greek, panoply, which signifies being fully kitted out, having everything you need to do for battle. This is the whole shebang when you're going to go to war. We can see three interconnected aspects of this spiritual panoply. First, we have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Not first in the text, but the way I'm dividing it, it's first. (laughs) The message of who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he's doing for the sake of reconciling mankind to God and reconciling mankind to each other is what keeps us moving on the campaign. And it's also what allows us to stand firm. Did you notice how many times St. Paul said to stand? The gospel needs to be our main focus in the world. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves off the narrow path and onto dangerous detours. I don't know if any of you remember the animated Pilgrim's Progress movie from the 70s. That was a favorite of mine as a child. Uh, but there's, there's a scene where uh, two of his companions decide they're not going to, the, the, the way is too steep. One goes off one path, one goes off the other. One goes to destruction, the other goes to death. That's what happens when our eyes are off the gospel. Secondly, we're given defenses to stand firm. We're given truth, righteousness, salvation, and faith. These elements protect us from the enemy's wiles that St. John Chrysostom talked about. And they indeed extinguish his fiery darts. So in ancient warfare, flaming arrows were used to burn down the enemy's defenses. Your shield is made out of wood, right? You're not carrying around a big iron shield. You can't do that. It's wooden. Most of the defenses are made out of wood. There's not a whole lot of stone uh, fortresses and stone siege engines. It's all wood. And so you use flaming arrows to burn down the defenses. But St. Paul says that the supernatural defenses we get from God, righteousness, truth, salvation, faith, these extinguish the flames of the enemy's artillery. And then finally, we have our offensive weapons, the word of God and prayer. When confronted with the enemy's lies, we fight back with the truth of Scripture. Whenever there's a lie, you fight it with the truth. And we must pray for ourselves, and we need to pray for each other if we're going to have victory against the world, the flesh, and the devil. This is important as individuals. We need to have an individual prayer life. But it's also important to do this as a community. That's why we gather here at least once a week. And really for us, we have three, three or four opportunities every week. God's people in prayer has always been one of the main ways he accomplishes his purpose in the world. That's what he uses to do things. And indeed, we see St. Paul concluding today's passage by begging the Ephesians' prayers for himself and for his ministry. 
Now, as I hinted in the uh, earlier on, this is not the first time in Scripture we see armor being used as a metaphor for spiritual warfare. In Isaiah 59, which was the Old Testament reading at morning prayer today, uh, God's salvation and justice are being described. And then in verse 17, he says, Isaiah says, For he, that is God, for he put on righteousness as a, as a breastplate and an helmet of salvation upon his head, and he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. In a similar way, we have Isaiah 11, the famous passage about the just rule of the Messiah. The, the first part of this is probably familiar to y'all, but maybe not, not the whole passage. Uh, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge with the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness, he shall judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And here we get into the armor language. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins. And faithfulness the girdle of his reins. So in other words, when the Lord, when the Messiah is fighting for our salvation and fighting to set everything to rights, our Lord is wearing the same metaphorical armor that St. Paul commends to the Ephesians and by extension to us. Now, this fits very well with what St. Paul's been driving at from the, from the whole epistle, all, from the beginning all the way through chapter 5. So back in Ephesians 1, we read this, wherein he hath set... Sorry, try that again. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. When we're united to Christ, and thus united to each other in Christ, we have been given that which belongs to Christ. This is the great exchange, that formal union between Christ and the Christian, the marriage between our Lord Jesus and the church, as St. Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 5. So true spiritual warfare is about being united to Christ, putting on Christ, He's made his arms and armor available to us. And indeed, we see that Christ himself is our panoply in this spiritual warfare. St. Jerome says this, From what we read of the Lord our Savior throughout the scriptures, it is manifestly clear that the whole armor of Christ is the Savior himself. It is he whom we are asked to put on. It's one and the same thing to say, put on the whole armor of God and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Our belt is truth and our breastplate is righteousness. The Savior also is called both truth and righteousness. So no one can doubt that he himself is that very belt and breastplate. On this principle, he is also to be understood as the preparation of the gospel of peace. He himself is the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. He is the sword of the Spirit because he is the word of God, living and efficacious, 
the utterance of which is stronger than any helmet and sharp on both sides. As you see, spiritual warfare and putting on the whole armor of God aren't a magical formula. It's not about finding some sort of mystical spiritual secret. Spiritual warfare and putting on the armor of God are about our union with Christ and through Christ, our union with each other. So when you're facing temptation, go to Jesus and get help from your fellow Christians. When you're at odds with your brother or your sister, draw near to Jesus and together get help from Christ's people. When you're discouraged by the evil days, we talked about that last week at 9 a.m., set your sights upon Jesus and come to his church. For if we do not fight against flesh and blood, if our battles are spiritual battles, we must fight those battles spiritually with our captain, our Lord Jesus, as the head. And we say this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost.